Welcome to the podcast from Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Ormo campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation, and our world. Hey, I wanna ask us a question this morning as we start off. You know, this might, this might be a question that, that you've asked yourselves before, um, but I wanna pose it to us again this morning. You know, and the question is, why do we sing at church? You know, have you, ever, have you ever stopped to wonder that yourselves? Why do we sing in church? I know that's a weird question coming from me because I'm the guy who's leading the singing most Sundays, right? But, but why do we spend 20 minutes every single Sunday just singing before someone comes and preaches the Word? You know, preaching the Bible, it makes, it makes sense for us as Christians because this is our book. You know, this is what we base our lives around. This is the Word of God. And so it's good, to, it's good to learn from that. It's good to delve into that. It's good to listen to that and, and maybe see what God might be saying to us through that. But why in this hall do we come and do we sing every single Sunday? You know, if you grew up in church, if you've, if you've been around church for a little while, it makes sense. You know, that's, that's what church is. We come, we sing, we listen to someone preach, we grab a coffee afterwards and then we hang out for hours, right? That's what church is. It's, it's normal. But I want us to imagine this morning that this is your first time in church, you know, that you've never been to church before. And that might be you here with us this morning. You know, you've come in, you've been greeted by a lovely welcome team, welcome team at the welcome desk, not the help desk. <laughs> Maybe you've said hello to someone else, you've grabbed a coffee, you've come and you've found your seat. And, you know, then out of nowhere, a big countdown comes up on the screen. And when that number hits zero, everybody stands and they just begin to sing. You know, I've grown up in a culture where that's normal, <laughs> where I'm used to that. But, but if you hadn't, that'd be weird, right? Yeah. You know, you come in here at Orma, you might see people with their hands raised in the air. You know, you might see people swaying from side to side. Someone might have some tears in their eyes. One thing is for sure is that Jordan's gonna be in the front row here cheering something on. <laughs> it's gonna be nice and loud. <laughs> you know, we're gonna see grown manly men singing in unison and harmony with little girls dressed in pink. You know, for me, I've grown up in a culture where that's normal, where, where, where it's expected to come to church on a Sunday. It's expected that we'll sing. It's expected that, that we'll see people engage in worship in their own way. You know, if I hadn't have grown up in that culture, you know, if this wasn't everything that I knew, everything that I'd been brought up with, I think I'd find it really weird, right? I think I'd find it really uncomfortable. It'd be a bit disconcerting coming here. If I'm being honest, I'd probably think a bunch of you guys are really crazy. But, but the reality is I also think I'd be intrigued to find out more. You know, I reckon I'd be keen to try and understand why people are engaging so intimately with, with what's essentially a glorified karaoke session. <laughs> yeah, and that's, this morning, that's exactly what I love for us to unpack. I want us to unpack why we worship, why do we make it such a priority to come and sing each Sunday. And so that's exactly what we're gonna do this morning. You know, for me, singing and, and, and music, it's just always been a part of my life. You know, it kind of feels like it's just ingrained into my DNA. Ever, ever, since I was a, ever since I was a young boy, I've been drawn to music, I've been drawn to instruments. You know, I remember my grandparents had an electric piano in their apartment in Sydney. Now this is, this is my grandpa's special electric piano. He had it set up just how he liked it and no one was allowed to touch it. You know, he had his seat set to the right height, the right distance away. 
He had special headphones that he'd set to the, to the right width so they didn't give him a headache and they didn't fall off when they came, uh, when he put them on. Oh, adorable. And, <laughs> and he was a grandpa and so he had the volume set to the exact level that he liked it. And you know, God forbid if somebody was to change that. You know, when I was in their, when I was in their house, I was just, I was drawn to this piano. Now, I, had, I had no idea what it was. Look how old I am. Now, I'm adorable, but, but clueless. <laughs> you know, I'm told that, that I would constantly make a beeline for this piano, and then, and then when I'd run to it, and my parents and my grandparents would have to change my direction, when they told me that I wasn't allowed to play it, I would just bring the whole house down. You know, I was told that I would, I would throw so many tantrums and so frequently that eventually my grandparents and my grandpa just gave in and he let me play the piano or, you know, whatever a two-year-old does, like kind of hit the keys and whatnot, right? But progressed a couple of years, we're moving on. I've grown up a little bit, I've matured, my music taste has matured and you know, I've come, become a fan of the greatest toddler rock band of all time, which is The Wiggles. You're right? I was addicted to the Wiggles. And with, with songs like Rockabye Bear, Hot Potato, uh, Big Red Car, who's not going to be addicted to the Wiggles? <laughs> well, I'm sorry for you. <laughs> You're missing out. <laughs> you know, I was such a fan of the Wiggles, I wanted to be in that band so badly that I would pester and plead with my parents to try and buy me some of the instruments. You know, as if the instruments were what was stopping me from being in the band. You know, I pestered, pestered so much that eventually my parents gave in and they bought me this little guitar, microphone, speaker combo set. You know, I, I look at myself set up with this and I just think, God bless my parents. <laughs> you know, they must have been so patient. My dad's here this morning. Dad, I want to say thank you for your patience. <laughs> thank you for putting up with that. I reckon it would have been infuriating and, and mildly upsetting to be in a room with that. You know, I didn't know how to play the guitar. I couldn't sing. All I would do is I'd turn that speaker up as loud as it could go and I'd strum that guitar as hard as I could. I couldn't sing. I could barely talk. You know, I would just put words together that made absolutely zero sense and I would yell them at the top of my lungs so that everyone could hear. You know, the funny thing is, is that not much has changed. <laughs> you know, but my point is, is that I've always loved music. You know, I've always connected with it and, and used it as a means to calm my nerves. I've used it to relax, to chill out, to, to help me process my emotions, to, to psych me up when I'm feeling tired, oh, when I'm feeling tired, yeah, and to calm me down when my mind's racing and I need to get to sleep at the end of the day. And so when it came to accepting Christ into my life, it made perfect sense for me to declare His truths and show Him my love and my gratitude through song. It felt natural. It felt like it was just an overflow of my love. There was an overflow of my appreciation. You know, I love the link between lyric and melody. I love the way that, that singing these truths helps me to engage with them. I love that music has a, has a way of influencing our emotions and, a, and, and a way of posturing our hearts towards worship and towards glorifying our great God. But, you know, I don't want to assume that, that that's everybody's story here this morning or that, or that any, everybody sees it the same way. Because I know that there's people here this morning that, that if you're being honest, you're just not really that psyched about the singing part in church. You're not that keen for the singing part in church. And, and, and I feel that this morning, that my hope is that, that I can give you a new vision as to why we worship in church. You know, that maybe I can show you the heart around why we choose to do it each week 
and why it might be something that, that you choose to engage with differently moving into the future. But you know, I reckon we all engage with music in some way. I reckon we all have those songs, those artists, maybe the genre that we enjoy listening to. You know, it might be Michael Bublé in the doctor's waiting room. It might be Triple M on the worksite. It might be uh, Ed Sheeran, Shawn Mendes playing in the shopping centre. If you're really lucky, it might be REM blasting out of Andrew Main's car on the weekend. <laughs> you know, music tends to be the background of our lives. There seems to be something about it that, that words just can't describe. It can make us feel happy or sad. It can psych us up, it can calm us down. It has a way of getting into our subconscious without us even realising it, and it affects the way that we perceive and experience life. And music is a language of emotions that speaks to all ages, all demographics, all races, all ages. And, and this morning I'd love to demonstrate how music can affect our emotions, how music can affect the way that we hear or that we perceive lyrics. And, and so I'm going to do something a little fun for us this morning. Bear with me, I'm going to use my guitar because I couldn't be up here for 30 minutes without it. I'd feel far too vulnerable and exposed in my abdomen, right? <laughs> I'm, going to, I'm going to play us a song this morning that I'm sure a bunch of us have heard a lot of times. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. You know, we all know this song, right? It's Amazing Grace. Yeah, I reckon a bunch of us have sung it close to, if not more, than a hundred times. You know, this song, it's, it's familiar, right? It brings a sense of peace. It brings a sense of security. That's why we sing it at things like, like weddings and, and funerals and other events like that. You know, I love the way that this song points us towards the love and the grace of God through the lyrics. And I, I love the way that that the music just does an awesome job of accompanying that sentiment. But you know, what if, I, what if I was to change the music? I'm not going to do anything drastic. Uh, to get a bit technical, what I'm going to do, I'm going to change it from an E major scale to an E minor scale. You don't need to be scared. You don't need to know what that means. If you want to, you can come talk to me afterwards. But I'm not going to change the lyrics. I'm not going to change the words. Technically, I'm not going to change the melody. All I'm going to do is change the chords and the music behind it. And I just want us to hear how it affects the way that, that we perceive these lyrics, how it affects the way that we hear the lyrics, right? Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. nothing's changed about the words that I'm singing. Nothing, technically the melody hasn't changed. All that's changed was, was the chords behind the song, but doesn't it just feel different? You know, maybe it no longer makes us feel a sense of peace or a sense of security. 
maybe instead it, it makes you feel a little bit uncomfortable. You know, it's become eerie. It's become a little disconcerting. The song's carrying a different emotion. The lyrics are still pointing towards the same grace and towards the same love of God, but the music is adding a new emotion to them. You know, nothing's changed about the grace and the love. Nothing's changed about the truth of God, but the music is helping us to respond to it in a different way. The music is influencing and affecting the way that we perceive and engage with the lyrics. You know, I think, I think we all enjoy music, especially if it's our own music, right? But when, we, but when we engage, when we listen to our own music, we tend to do it in a passive way. Where church and where congregational worship invites us into an active participation. You know, worship requires something of us. It's not just a spectator sport. And I think, it, I think it's far too easy for us to rob God of the praise and the worship that He deserves just because we get too caught up in our own heads. Now, even, even as someone who, who loves music and someone who loves singing, Sometimes I find it really hard just to shrug off the fears of what other people might see or what other people might say. Now I reckon we can get so caught up in, in, in thinking about what other people might label us that we don't even, we don't even engage in worship. We, we, we worship so subtly that it doesn't mean anything to us. And we get scared of, of how people might label us. And we get scared that what if we do something that's not cool? What if we do something that's not dignified? What if in our worship we, we don't live up to the image of ourselves that we've created? You know, what if we're to commit the unforgivable sin of singing the next line too early? <laughs> you know, so we play it cool. We try not to do anything distracting or anything that's going to draw attention to ourselves. The whole time we're standing there singing, but we're not connecting with the words. Instead, we're too worried about how we look or how we sound. You know, I know when I'm in a new environment, when I head to a new church and we're about to enter a time of worship, I know for me, I've got to look around the room. I've got to scan the room, engage what sort of hand raising I'm going to have to participate in, right? Now, is this church like a small hand raising church? Are we doing one hand raises, two hand raises? Are people just going crazy? Am I meant to be worshipping or like air traffic controlling, right? <laughs> but the thing is, is that the people around me shouldn't be the gauge which I base my worship. And my worship is meant to be between me and God. I think there's a tendency for us to, to hide our enthusiasm, to, to suppress our gratitude to the point that, that sometimes we're so conscious of not drawing attention to ourselves that we never connect with the words we're meant to be singing. You know, I think it's an awesome thing that we don't want to be a hindrance, that we don't want to be a distraction to anybody. In fact, in Romans 14, 13, it says, Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind to not put any stumbling block or obstacle in the way of your brother or sister. But I think, I think there's a huge difference in us being aware of how we're hindering other people's worship. There's a huge difference between that and, and to us falling victim to a fear of what other people will see or say. You know, fear that is self-seeking, self-fulfilling, self-gratifying, a fear that will ultimately rob God of the praise and worship that He deserves. You know, although the act of worshipping God can have a dramatic impact on us, you know, it can bring peace, it can bring guidance and belonging and identity, but, but those aren't the reasons that we should be entering into worship. Now, worship's got a much greater purpose than that. Now, it's not something we do to seek our own self-fulfillment. It's something we do to honour a great and a mighty God. 
You know, the longest book in the Bible is literally made up of songs to God. Right? It's literally made up of songs to God. The Bible mentions singing over 400 times, with 50 of those times being a direct command to sing to God. And so as, as I've been preparing for this, as I've been unpacking the question, why do we sing at church? Why do we, why do we worship? Why do we make it such a priority when we meet together? Now I've come up with three reasons that I think we do it. Yeah, the first reason that we worship and that we sing in a congregational setting is because worship is the purpose for which we were created. Now sometimes I think we can get really caught up chasing that, 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 that job in our life or chasing that hobby in our life. Or if we're getting really Christian, I think sometimes we get caught up chasing the ultimate God-given purpose for our lives. And none of these things are a bad thing unless we forget that we were first and we were foremost created to worship. And I don't just mean worship as the singing that we do every Sunday, although that is important. I mean like a lifestyle of worship. You know, we were created that, that our entire being was designed to be in worship to God. You know, we were created to glorify Him, to lift Him up, to devote ourselves to God with everything that's within us. To be worshippers of God amongst our family, you know, in the ways that we, that we speak to our spouses and, and our parents and our children, to be worshippers at work and, and glorifying God in the way that we interact with others, in the way that we do our work, to just be honouring God with our thoughts at all times. Our entire being was created to worship our Creator. You know, in Isaiah 43, it says, bring all who claim me as their God, for I have made them for my glory. It was I who created them. You know, God has created us for His own glory, right? He's created us for His own glory. And not, not only that, but He has created us along with all of creation for His own glory. Now, along with all of creation, we're created to praise Him. In Psalm 66, 4, uh, the psalmist writes to God saying, everything on earth will worship you. They will sing your praise, shouting your name in glorious song." You know, I think we can see throughout all the world that, that people were created to worship, right? We might not all worship the same God, but if we look close enough, if we look at people's lives, we can see that, we can see that everyone is worshipping a God. And you know, we see people worshipping things like their jobs, like their relationships, like, like their children, like success, like money, like their sporting teams, like their hobbies. You know, if it can be put up on a pedestal, I'm sure somebody's already put it there. You know, tonight's going to be a prime example of what it looks like for Australians to worship. You know, thousands of people across Australia turn on their TV, they watch 26 Burnley men run at each other. We're going to see people worshipping their sporting teams. And I know you're asking, James, why would someone choose to worship the Raiders or the Roosters? And the, the, my answer is, that I don't know, but everyone's broken, everyone's seeking, and God saves us all. <laughs> you know, sometimes... I think we've got to be careful because if we don't watch it, we can become religiously devoted to these things in our lives. I know in my own life that I, that I can often catch myself worshipping things other than God. You know, it feels like a constant competition for, for what's going to grab my attention next. I'm always moving from one thing to the next thing. You know, sometimes it might be the newest phone that I just have to have. You know, it's got three cameras, so it's better than one with two cameras. Sometimes it's that, that sexy guitar that I see online that's going to help me to play like John Mayer. 
You know, sometimes it's even more simple, just things like YouTube and, and Instagram that, that begin to influence my life and begin to take my worship from God. You know, I can, I can remember a time, and this is me getting a little bit vulnerable, so we're not gonna laugh, but I can remember a time uh, a couple of years ago when I was living in St. Lucia. I was living opposite a golf course. You know, I just moved to Brisbane. I was studying, like I was attending uni semi-regularly, and I had a lot of spare time on my hands, right? I had a lot of spare time on my hands, and so I decided I'm gonna take up golf. And I became obsessed with golf. Like, I was addicted to golf. It's what I did in all of my spare time. I'd go and I'd watch YouTube videos. I'd watch tutorials on how to swing. I'd I'd be in my backyard practising my swing. I never figured out if I was left-handed or right-handed because I was terrible at both. but it, it took up my entire life. It's what I thought about when I woke up in the morning. It kept me up at night, thinking about how I can perfect my swing. But you know, if I'm being completely honest, I lived in that house for 18 months and not once did I play a full round of golf. <laughs> how sad is that? Can you think of a more boring sport to be theoretically obsessed with? <laughs> you know, my point is, is, that, is that golf had become the thing that I was worshipping most in life. I wasn't even playing it and it had become the thing that I was worshipping most in life. It took a central role and it had replaced God. You know, the issue is, is that no matter how high that pedestal is that we put things on, it's never gonna come close to God. You know, nothing can come close to holding the same worth as God. Nothing can come close to holding the same worth as God. But I reckon, I reckon sometimes, somehow, these things just make their way up in the hierarchy of our lives, right? They start to steal our attention, our appreciation, our affection. It's got to be a day-to-day occurrence that, that, that we stand here and we recenter ourselves and we put God in His rightful place in our lives because it's important for us to be taking stock of what we're worshipping in life. You know, this morning, I wonder if you're sitting here and if if maybe you can pinpoint things in your own life that are trying to steal your worship away from the one who created you. Now we're created to worship, but we've got to be careful of what we're worshipping. We cannot fully serve two gods and therefore we need to be careful that we're putting God in the right seat of our lives. We were created to be in a relationship with God right from the beginning. We're created to be in a relationship with God And out of that relationship, we'll find things like peace and fulfilment and and belonging and identity. You know, all the things that we go searching for in other things like money, success, relationships. And we'll find that in our relationship with God. All we've got to do, now all we've got to do is look to the one who created us because he's the one that we were created to worship. And the second reason I think we worship in the, and that we sing in this congregational setting is because it's an expression of God's worth to us, to show God our appreciation and our affection. You know, worship is our expression of God's worth. And in preparation for this message, I, I took it upon myself to analyse and to discover how people show worth to things. Right, so like any good, any good holy scholar, I turned to uh, the source of infinite wisdom, which is Google, and I typed in, how do people show worth, question mark, enter. And you know what came up? The whole entire first page, and I can't speak for the others, I got bored, but the entire first page <laughs> was ways that, that I can improve my own self-worth. You know, how sad is that? 
I reckon as a culture, we've, we've just become obsessed with making sure we feel good about ourselves and making sure that we feel valued, making sure that we feel wanted. We put photos of ourselves and, and our experiences up online, just, just praying that someone will like us, that someone will validate us and show us our worth. You know, we're in a culture that is craving value and craving a security of self. Yeah, but the beauty is of the Gospel is that at Christian, as Christians, we don't have to look to people, we don't have to look to social media to find our value or to find our worth. And the beauty of the Gospel is that, that we can look to our Creator. We can know with a certainty that we are created in the image of God and that our identity is in Him. You know, we don't need to make ourselves worthy or valuable because Jesus has already done that for us on the cross. Now, out of His worthiness, out of His sacrifice, we've been made worthy and valuable. And in a culture that's, that's so self-seeking, so self-fulfilling, so self-gratifying, so self-focused, you know, a culture that's so self-self-self, there's something really beautiful about just taking our eyes off of ourselves taking our eyes off of our circumstances, off of our worries, and just stopping to worship a God who is so worthy of our worship. You know, who in all of His goodness, who in all of His mercy, took it upon Himself to make us clean, to make us valuable, to bring us into the family of redemption once again. And I don't know about you, but, but when I think of the grandeur of the cross, when I think of that sacrifice and, and the power in that sacrifice, I find it hard to find a way to respond to that. You know, I think you'll agree that, that it's important that we respond to that, right? But sometimes it's just hard to know how. Sometimes it's hard to not be overwhelmed by the grace of God. You know, that's why I think it's so awesome that God has given us this gift of music. Now, the beauty of singing is that it engages both our minds and our hearts and our emotions. You know, worship needs to be real in the heart. It needs to take root in our spirit, but it also needs to be based on the truths, the facts, the promises of God. Now, Jesus says to the Samaritan woman in, in John 4, 23, true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. You know, we need to worship God in spirit and in truth. You know, if, our, if our worship time was just to be built around the facts, was just to be built around the truth and it didn't take root in our spirit, if it didn't take root in our heart, and we'd just be building a culture of fake admirers and of people who lack life. But on the other hand, if our, if our worship was to be based all around our heart and our emotions, but it didn't take root in the Word, it didn't take root in the truths of God, we'd just be building a culture of shallow people and, and people who chase that hype and the, and the next high. You know, the words and the lyrics in our worship engage both our minds and our hearts. They engage our minds, reinforcing the truths and reminding us of who God is. They point our thoughts towards the goodness, the faithfulness, the promises of God, and they help, them, they help us reinforce them in our spirit by declaring them. You know, they, they just do such a good job of reminding us of, of who God is and who He is to us in the midst of all of our circumstances. And let's, take a look at the, let's take a look at the song Cornerstone. You know, this, this song, is, it's an old song. We've, we've remade it again recently, but I reckon this song just does an awesome job of revealing God's glory to us. 
You know, right now, I wanna, I wanna read out some of the lyrics of this song. And as a church, I just want us to allow these lyrics to, to rest with us. Just allow them to rest with our spirits. I want us to look at how they declare God's power and His majesty, His splendour, how they declare His promises. You know, maybe, maybe as, as we're sitting with them, we can, we can see ways that they resonate with what's happening in our life at the moment. Now, if it makes you feel more comfortable, feel free to close your eyes. I'm gonna read these lyrics out to us and I just want us to, just to sit with them. It says, When darkness seems to hide His face, I rest on His unchanging grace. And in every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. Christ alone cornerstone, weak made strong in the Saviour's love. Through the Lord, through the storm, sorry, He is Lord, Lord of all. I reckon that's powerful stuff, right? They're powerful things to declare over our lives and I think at some point all of us just need reminding of this. But you know when the music kicks in? When that combination of, of melody and harmony come in, it just begins to prompt our spirits to express our worship, to express our gratitude to God. The music adds context, it adds further emotion to what we're saying. By singing these songs, by declaring God's goodness, by doing what we've been created to do, we are revealing God's worth in our own lives and to those around us. Now our worship, is an expression of God's worth to us. You know, the third reason I think we sing, I think we gather on a Sunday to worship congregationally is because worship helps us to become more aware of the Spirit. You know, worship helps us to experience the presence of God. And in Matthew 18, 20, it says, for where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. And the Spirit of God is with us. The Spirit of God is within us and it's good to know that in our minds, but when we take our eyes off of our circumstances and we begin to start choosing to worship God in the midst of everything that's going on, that's when we become aware of the Holy Spirit moving amongst us, become aware of the Holy Spirit with us. You know, there's always so much going on in life. There's always so much trying to steal our attention and take our awareness away from God that we often, forget our, we often find ourselves forgetting that, that the presence of God rests with His people. And I often find that in my own life, I need, I need prompting and I need a reminding to bring my awareness back to the Spirit of God with me. And I think that's where, that's where our worship time comes in. That's part of the reason that we come and that we sing together each Sunday. You know, we do it to bring our awareness and our attention back to the One who created us and to His Spirit that is at work within each of us. In Paul's letter to the Ephesians, he explains that, that singing is an outworking of the Spirit within us. He writes in Ephesians 5, Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs of the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. In the name of our Lord, Jesus Christ. You know, we, we awaken our awareness to the Holy Spirit through singing and through worship because, because when we sing and when we worship, that is a physical, that's a real tangible outworking of the Spirit of God within us. 
You know, His presence is always with us, but worship helps us to become more aware of it. And I know that I personally feel the presence of God most strongly when I'm worshipping because my attention's on Him. Because my attention's not being distracted by the colours, the noises, the shiny things of the world. It's on Him. His presence is always with us, but worship helps us to become more aware of it. You know, it can sometimes be really hard to get to that place of focus or, or to get to that place of surrender in worship. You know, life, life tends to get in the way. I can sometimes just find it really challenging to, to change my perspective from a present reality to an eternal reality. You know, sometimes it, it feels impossible to, to proclaim God's goodness and to, to proclaim His promises when everything in my life feels like it's going in the opposite direction to the way that I thought it would, right? Now, sometimes I find it really hard to express God's goodness in worship when I'm hurting. You know, I can... I can think of a couple of times in, in my worship experiences when, when I've just broken down in worship because, because I'm meant to be singing about this God who's good, this God who's great, this God who's powerful. But in the moment, if I'm being honest, I'm really just struggling with that fact. But, you know, and this is a big but, but if I'm able to put aside my feelings of, of disappointment, my feelings of weariness, discouragement, frustration, if I can put all of that aside and I can choose to stop and look to the God who created me, that's when it becomes surrendered worship. Now, if I can choose to believe God's truths and, and, God, and God's goodness despite of how I'm feeling and despite of the truths that I see in the world, that's when it becomes surrendered worship. That's, that's when it becomes sacrificial worship. And that's when I feel the presence of God most strongly. You know, we tend to think of, of sacrifices as giving up things like, like money or, or comfort or food in order to take a step of faith towards something we believe God's calling us to do. You know, we see, we see people sacrificing and fasting. We see sacrifices in the Old Testament offered to God as worship, right? We see it with Cain and Abel, with, with Noah, with Moses. We see it in the New Testament where, where the woman pours out the perfume over Jesus' feet. But even more simply, on a day-to-day -day basis, when, when we choose to lay down our lives, when we choose to lay down our feelings of disappointment and, and weariness, discouragement, frustration, when we lay all that down and we choose to step into worshipping Him and we choose to step into honouring God in spirit and in truth, when we choose to believe His truths over what we're feeling, that's also a sacrifice. You know, that's precious to God. That God treasures that deeply. Worshipping is, is what we're created to do. And when we truly worship and when we're engaging in the Spirit and we're proclaiming His greatness and, and His worthiness, in that moment, we can encounter things like His peace and His joy. You know, in worship, we can find contentment and clarity. We can find purpose and wisdom. All we need to do, you know, all we need to do is offer everything to Him. All we need to do to encounter that is to be surrendered in our worship to Him. And it's in that place of, of becoming aware of the Spirit, becoming aware of the Spirit within us, that we truly become transformed by the Spirit. Now, I, th I think for us here this morning, the best way for us to respond is just to step in a time of worshipping together. Yeah, I think for us, I think for some of us here that this might be a scary thing, but I reckon we just got to understand what we're created to do. 
We need to step into the awareness and the presence of God and begin to declare His truth and His power over our lives. Now I'm gonna get the band to come up and join me right now. We're gonna sing a song that I love called How Great Is Our God. And this song is really simple, but I love the way that it points us towards His majesty. I love the way it points us towards His splendour and His greatness. And I wanna encourage you that, that if you're here today and, and worship has been you know, that part of our service that you've never really engaged with, you know, if worship has been something that, that you've struggled to see the value of in the past or, or just something you've never connected with. And I reckon that this morning, maybe God might want to be reawakening you to the beauty of worshipping together as a church family. That maybe He might want to be reawakening you to His power, to His majesty. He might want to invite you into a fresh awareness of, of His presence and with you and amongst us as a church. So as the team begin to lead this song, I, I want to encourage you to, to step out in faith and just begin to worship God with everything that you've got. And maybe step out of your comfort zone a little bit. Use this as a time just, to, just between you and God. Don't worry about anything else that's going on around you. Just use this as a time to connect with God, to worship Him, to honour Him, to lay down your fears, your worries, step into a moment of sacrificial worship. Now, this is what we're created to do. So come on, let's step into an awareness of His presence and declare the goodness and the greatness of God together. We hope you've been blessed by this message. We are a growing family and everybody who walks through our doors is welcome. If you'd like to connect with us, please head to gatewaybaptist.com.au to find out more.